Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's give it for Jesus across this place. Come on. Amazing, man. We're so excited you guys are here. We're jumping back into our soundtrack series. And uh, I love music. I love music. Not just worship, I just love music in general, right? So uh, if, I, if I ever rode with my dad or sitting with my dad, we were listening to like the Gaither family, Crab family, all those. Some of y'all remember that. If you do, there's probably six of you in the room that remember that. Uh, if I was riding with my mom, we were listening to anything else, really. Uh, and so, uh, but I love music so much so that uh, myself and Pastor Justin, uh, we were dressing up one time for a party. Uh, and uh, we, we, like, we picked some of our favorite characters to dress up as as far as musicians or artists. And so uh, he's not here today. So I figured this is a perfect time to show this picture. Uh, and so let him see it, guys. Go ahead and show him. This is me and Pastor Justin. And uh, Boom, there it is. All right, guys, uh, that's his alias, Rigid Steel. Uh, and so, uh, but the, I have good news. Uh, at the end of this month, we're hosting a trunk or treat event. And uh, what I've been told is Rigid Steel is going to make an appearance. So you guys want to see Pastor Justin in that outfit. I'm telling you right now, those are women's biker boots and everything. So it's, it's really impressive. Uh, I say all that to say is, um, first of all, yes, definitely Pastor Justin, he's wild. But secondly is, man, uh, we are going to be having our trunk or treat event at the end of this month. And we are pumped. There's going to be about 3,000 people come on this campus for that. It's the biggest event we do every year. So one of our pastor buddies is like, it's going to be bigger than Easter. And I was like, no. And we had it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is huge. Like, and so literally, but here's the thing I want you to know about. One, if you have kids or you're new at TC, we want you to come, be part of the fun, cotton candy, candy, everything. We got 50,000 pieces of candy we're giving away. It's going to be nuts, all right? But secondly, if you're here um, and you want to serve at the event or host a trunk, go ahead and get out your phones actually right now. When everyone get out your phones, go, 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 hurry, get them out. Scan the QR code, sign up to serve or host a trunk. If you're part of a small group, let everyone in your small group host a trunk and y'all do it together like make it a thing, whatever. Let's make it as big as can be. We have over 50 people in our, 50 families in our church right now from this event, from the last two years that God has transformed their life. And I know the world has a lot to say about, you know, October and Halloween and all this stuff. We're not necessarily celebrating that. We're using a holiday that the world has to proclaim Jesus and watch him transform people's lives. And so uh, I want to invite you to come be a part of it. So register, uh, you scan the QR code, register, get a trunk out there, serve, whatever. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. Even if you're new, if you're like, man, I would love to do that, get in there. It's going to be great. And I think Rigid Steel and uh, Run PB or whatever is going to be uh, out there. Whatever my nickname was, it wasn't nearly as cool. Uh, but which Run PB is hilarious because I'm not running anywhere. So, but all that to say is uh, I love music. And, I, and, and so as I was thinking about today, uh, I started kind of just laying out some things. And as I did that, I was like, man, we could take a, a, a trip down memory lane. So as a matter of fact, I want you to get your, keep your phones out for a second because uh, I, I think you're, you might be tempted to turn on the flashlight and do a little one of these with me on this next deal. Uh, but this is for all of you that say you only play new music. This next set of tracks is just for you and I want you to see if you can recognize one thing that they all have in common go ahead and roll it guys let's listen oh come on that's some of y'all yeah, yeah going going to get the flashlights out 
Come on, come on, join me, everyone. So let, oh, come on, 90s girls, this is you right here. 12-year-old you was blaring this in your bedroom, crying over that seventh grader. Come on, where's it at? All right, come on. Because you know you sang the ad-libs, right? Not, you weren't singing with everybody else. You were the main voice in the song, right? What's next? <laughs> oh, come on. Celine, get out of here. No one has any business singing like her, all right? I hear some of y'all trying to sing it. Don't do it. Stop it right now. You got no, don't do that to the people around you trying to sing like Celine Dion, all right? What a song. Come on, this is some of, some of y'all remember this. At your eighth grade prom, they were, they were playing this song, right? Why? Oh, are you kidding me right now? Come on, there it is. Yeah, more flashlights are popping out again. There it is. Come on. Come on, you got it. All right, perfect, right? What else do we got? Come on. Come on, all of you 80s, this is you right here. I put this in specifically for you. Careful, ladies, careful, careful. Right? It's October. I figured we had to throw it in there. It's October, right? And then after this, we got one more. Everyone knows this next one. It's Come on, if you know it, sing it. Never mind, never mind. Just, let's just listen. Let's just listen. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> All right. So here's the deal. I cut it off before she gets to the high parts because I knew some of y'all were going to try, and we didn't need to do that to everybody else in here. All right. Guess what? There is one thing that every single one of those songs have in common, and guess what it is? The producer. Can you believe one person's name is on every single one of those songs? That's wild, right? We got another batch of songs. Maybe for some of you, this one will resonate, uh, resonate a little bit more. Go ahead and roll it, guys. Oh, there you go. Some of y'all are like, oh, there it is. There it is. Oh, sorry. We cut that song off. We cut that song off. Oh, for some of you girls. You know, no doubt, there it is, all right? I'm, I'm hitting all of you 90s, early 2000s right now. Oh yeah, that's a stank face song right there. Careful, 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 there's people around you. They didn't sign up to hear you sing, okay? So just, oh, come on. You were leaving the parking lot in high school? Come on. Oh. My wife asked me, she's like, is that Eminem or is that whatever that girl's name is? And then I was like, does it really matter? Does it really matter? Right? So don't worry. We cut this song off early too. All right? As well as the next one we cut off a little bit early because you just never know what you're going to hear whenever the next one comes on. Wow. Some, some of y'all are like. He is bold. Yes. Yes, we know. If you went in regular church, you might have went somewhere else this morning. <laughs> Will the real Slim Shady please stand up? All right. Come on. Right? 
This is this. Some of y'all, y'all already know where I come from. <laughs> I was gonna throw it west side. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. We got people online. All right. So listen. Crazy thing is, every single one of those songs has one person in common. Dr. Dre. Now, some of you are like, Dr. Who? His name is Dr. Dre. Went to the University of West Coast. <laughs> and uh, that's a lie. Do not Google him. Uh, but same thing. Had one person in common. Dr. Dre. All right. Last batch of songs. For some of you, there's a little more modern stuff. Well, maybe not modern. This is from like 97 or something. But nonetheless, you can have it. If you know the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Come on, there it is. For some of you that are uh, late 90s Caucasian people, this is your jam right here, all right? By Caucasian, I mean white, all right. And we can say that at this church, <laughs> all right. To continue the product, all right, there it is, yeah. So some Lincoln Park for some of you. Some of you dressed in all black for way too many years listening to that. Some Ed Sheeran. Come on, I know some of y'all cried in the car listening to this like two weeks ago. You're thinking about a breakup. All right. What else we got? Oh, some Adele? Nobody has any business singing like that. It's unbelievable. Right? you are not ready for the day, it cannot always be night. Some Kanye? What? I'll give you one more Adele. There you go. Come on, some of y'all burned some like diaries to this song, all right? So, I set fire to the rain. Not his house, ladies, the rain. Goodness gracious. Every single one of those songs had one person in common. His name's Rick Rubin. Now, some of you have heard of Dr. Dre, but I bet a lot of you haven't heard of David Foster or Rick Rubin before, right? And here's the deal. All three of them are producers, now, what's interesting to me about producers, and I've been in the music industry, so I've played, I've recorded in studios before, uh, I've played uh, on different tours and stuff as a drummer, and, and I played drums and bass and guitar and piano and all that stuff, and, and so I've, I've been in the music world for a long time, and one of the things that I found out is that the producer is who makes the song. You may have an artist, you may have a writer, but it's the producer. As a matter of fact, uh, I remember being in the studio one time and the producer, I looked at him and I was like, man, like what, what's, you know, watching him work. And I was like, man, what's going on here? And this is, this is a multi-platinum producer that I was able to work with in the studio. And he says, here's the deal. He says, artists bring us jumbled up messes and we make something great out of them. And you may ask yourself, what does this have to do with Jesus? Because I don't think anything describes Jesus better than we bring him some jumbled up messes and he makes something great out of them, right? And today I want to talk to you about this idea of choosing to turn your life over to Jesus. And I mean that from the sense of letting him have control, because here's the deal. I don't think God minds you being the artist as long as he gets to be the producer. As long as he gets to be the one behind the scenes, he doesn't mind you getting to stand on the stage of your life. He doesn't mind. He wants you to have a testimony as the artist, but here's the deal. The testimony is only powerful if you let the right person be the producer. And I don't know about you, but I have a hard time letting God have control sometimes because I want to be the producer of my own life. I want to make sure I'm controlling everything, but the reality is great hits come from someone else. Matter of fact, I put it like this. You can be the artist that people see, but if you want your life to be a hit song, you need a great producer. You need someone else to have control that can do something with your life that, listen to me, you can't do with your own life. 
Let, let's be honest. How many of us have tried to make something great out of our own lives? And in most cases, we mess some stuff up. Come on, anybody mess things up when you're in control? And so what we need is we need to surrender to the one that can make it great. And we're gonna, one of the best ways we do that is by starting with the way that we think. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 10, the verse we've been reading every week during the series. It says, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We destroy arguments and all arrogance that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every what? Thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Now you guys are a little quiet this morning. I don't know if you were up late crying over your team losing or what. I don't know what was going on. But one more time, say thought. So we need to take every thought captive. Now, in all fairness, Paul is actually talking about the thought of unbelievers. He's talking about we need to take the thoughts of those that we're trying to witness to that are proclaiming that God's not real. We need to take those captive. But how many guys know if you can't take yours captive, there's no way you can take those captive. It becomes very hard to bring Jesus to someone else if you're not dealing with Jesus in your own mind. And there's no better story in the Bible, in my opinion, of watching God become something great in someone's life and take a mess and make something great out of it than we see in the story in John chapter 8. And that's where we're going to go today. John chapter 8, verse 2. Now to set up what's happening in this story, I want to help you a little bit because the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they're looking at Jesus and they're really frustrated because they want him to go away. They're like, this dude is, is a false teacher. He's a heretic. He's claiming to be God. So they're trying to get rid of him. So they're, they're trying to build a plan to get rid of Jesus. And so they think they've got it figured out. And that's where we pick up in verse 2. And it says, at dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? Now, I, I want to pause for a second because I think this is interesting that they were trying to trap Jesus and they didn't mind destroying another woman's life to do it. And so they're, they're, they're going to bring her up and make her stand in front of everybody so that they can try to get to Jesus. And they look at him and it says this, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. See, here's what's happening is they realize this. They thought to themselves, we got him this time. He said, because if he gives her grace and doesn't follow the law, that means he doesn't fulfill the law like he said he does. And since he doesn't fulfill the law, he can't be God because God follows the law. He says, but if he fulfills the law, he's not bringing the kingdom of grace into play. Therefore, he's a liar, and we know we've got him nailed. So no, ma no matter what route he chooses, we've got him nailed down, and he's got no escape. So he's going to fall into this trap, and they bring her to him to try to trap him. But here's the deal. When Jesus is the producer of the life, he's never at our mercy. We're always at his. <laughs> And that's why I want to give you a few things that shows up in this story. And the first one is this. Jesus isn't concerned with the facts when he has the truth. Jesus isn't concerned with the facts because he has the truth. You see, the fact is she was committing adultery. The fact is she was with someone that wasn't her husband. The fact is she did do this. The fact is 
she was committing this sin. The fact is, they had every right to put her in front of Jesus. But the reality is, for you and for me, the fact is, you may have made those decisions. The fact is, you may have that thing in your background, in your history. The fact is, you may have made that decision. The fact is, you may have that addiction. You may have had that baby before you got married. You may have gone through a divorce. You may have even going out to the outer perimeters, right? You may have that addiction. You may have the drug problem. Alcohol may be part of your family curse. You, you may have all these things. Those may be the facts, but listen to me. When Jesus is on the scene, he has the ability to change the truth. So that might be the facts of your life, but it does, that might be chapters one, two, and three of your life, but it doesn't have to be the truth of chapters eight, nine, and 10. Matter of fact, I put it like this. Jesus isn't concerned about the facts when he has the ability to rewrite the truth. That might be who you were, but listen to me, it doesn't have to be who you stay. Because Jesus has the ability to rewrite what is true about your life. And so here's the deal. You don't have to walk in here pretending that you don't have a history. We all got a history. Now, some of you can fit it on a business card, and some of us need a Rolodex. Kids, Rolodex is a thing that, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. The reality is we all have varying degrees of a past, but listen to me, we all have a past. And those are all facts. That did happen to you. You did go down that road. You may have made that decision, but listen, it doesn't have to be the truth of your future because Jesus has a way of changing things. And in John chapter 8, verse 5, we'll read it again. In the law of Moses, it says to stone such woman, what do you say? And I love the fact that Jesus doesn't have to play by their rules. So let's keep going to verse Six, it says this, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her. And then he started to write on the ground again. Now I love this about Jesus because I imagine being a Pharisee for a second, just be like, man, we got him. We got him. What do you say, Jesus? And he's like, man. Right, And he stands up and he's like, whichever one of y'all doesn't have sin, y'all can be the first one to throw a stone. <laughs> he just starts writing in the, in the sand again. You know, like, he's, he, it, it, in my mind, this is the way y'all got to read y'all's Bible. I don't know how y'all read. This is how I read mine. I'm like, this dude is so unconcerned with these guys. Like, man, y'all, <laughs> you know, that's just how I read mine. It's like, and so he, he's writing on the sand. But listen to me, you don't need to worry about the facts when Jesus has the truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Jesus, he has the truth, listen to me, because he is the truth. You haven't caught Jesus off guard and he can do something great in your life, which is important because not only does he have the truth, but listen to me, when your life is in his hands, Jesus gets the final word. When your life is in his hands, Jesus gets the final word. And I, I think this is so beautiful because I don't know about you, if you're anything like me, you like to have control. 
you like to be the one that dictates the terms. But here's the reality. Jesus gets the final word. And so where, wherever you've come from in your life, whatever you've been through in your life, listen to me. No artist walks into the studio and dictates to the director what it's going to be like because the artist trusts the director and the producer, I'm sorry, with their life. And here's the reality. Jesus gets the final word on our lives. If we're surrendered to him, we're saying, Jesus, this is what I would prefer. Come on, anybody? Anybody got good prayers? Anybody got good suggestions for God? The Lord, if you would just, you know, I, know, I don't know what's going on up there, but if you were at my vantage point, you would do things like this. So just, you know, God's like, cool, 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 right? So listen to me, Jesus gets the final word. We go to John 8, what happens to the woman? She's, she's before Jesus, he was riding in the sand. And, and, and at this, let's keep going. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Now, I think this is, I mean, a lot of scholars have just debated over the years what exactly he wrote in the sand. We don't know, right? So some think that he was writing some Hebrew text about forgiveness and some of those things. Some people think what what I like to think. uh, So I don't have book, chapter, and verse on what I'm about to tell you. This is just what I like to believe because I think Jesus was gangster like this. So I think that he was writing the names of the mistresses of the guys holding the stones, (laughs) <laughs> Susan, <laughs> right? <laughs> Jessica, <laughs> right? They're like, mm. <laughs> no, right? That's just what I like to believe. Y'all do what y'all want, okay? But, uh, but whatever he wrote, they started dropping their stones and walking away. And there's only, it's just her and Jesus. Now, why? Because listen to me, what you've been through doesn't change the fact that Jesus can do something great with your life. And the beautiful thing is Jesus always gets the final word. They thought they were going to get the final word over Jesus because they had him trapped, but Jesus always gets the final word. And what are the ways in your life, listen to me, where you're trying to get the final word instead of letting the producer of your life have it? Where is it you're trying to make your way? You're trying to get, listen, 1 Peter 3, This is a message paraphrased, but I think it, it really puts the verse into context better than some of the others. Jesus has the last word on everything and everyone. From angels to armies, he's standing right alongside God. Listen, and what he says goes. Not just for eternity, listen, for our lives too. How many of you are, if you are honest, now don't, you don't have to raise your hand. You're still at a war with God over who gets control. You're, you're still, you're, God, I, I want this to happen. I want these things to happen. I'm, I'm trying to make this happen. And listen to me. I'm not saying you don't need to work. I'm not saying you don't need to try. What I'm saying is you need to be looking to God as the one that's going to make something beautiful out of your mess to let him have some control in your life. But here's the deal. If we were all honest, we don't want to because we're afraid. Fear causes us to not trust God, which I know sounds crazy when you say it out loud, but if we were honest, that's where we're at. We're like, man, I don't know if God's going to do what I want him to do because I have plans for my life. Anybody? My plans include getting angry at people when they cut me off in traffic. I still want to do that. You know what I'm saying? If you cut me off, you're going to get love from TC a different kind of way. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Here's the deal. It takes a lot of work to trust God you got to be intentional if you're going to trust God. That's why John Acuff says this, fear comes free, faith takes work. 
Anybody ever notice you don't have to work to find fear? It just shows up. But it takes work to have faith, right? Which brings me to the last thing that we learn about the story with Jesus and this woman. And that's that changing your story will start with Jesus changing you. Changing your story, it starts with Jesus changing you. And here's the deal. I don't love this because I want Jesus to change my story. I just don't want him to do much with me. Anybody? Come on. We just talked about it. Anybody got good suggestions for God? Come on. Anybody out there like, Jesus, I want you to make something great with my life. And Jesus like, all right, I want you to stop doing this. I want to leave. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't want you to change anything. I just want you to do something with it. <laughs> Jesus is like, that's not the way this works, right? And we go to John 8, 10 through 11, and we go back to the story of the woman. Let's go there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And this is what Jesus says. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life, life of sin. Now, this is important because we need to understand that condemnation and conviction are not the same thing. Condemnation is something that pushes you down. Come on, anybody ever messed up before and you felt like you were driven away from God? Like you, like you felt like you were being pressed down. You, you felt like you were being pushed away from God. You felt like you were like, oh man, like I, you, you were covered in shame. And, and listen to me, the enemy loves to bring condemnation in your life because he loves to make you feel small, less than, and push you away from God. But listen, conviction and condemnation aren't the same thing. And he looks at her, he, said, he says, where are your accusers? And she says, I have none. He says, then neither do I condemn you. I'm not pushing you down. I'm not pushing you away. But listen, he still changed her life. And I think, I think churches, like the capital C church, and the institution of the church could really learn something about this because I believe that a lot of churches believe we got to condemn people to change. It's like we can push you down, make you feel small enough, you'll realize you need God and then you'll change and then once you change, you can come to God. But how in the world, does, nowhere in the Bible does it say change so you can come to God. It says come to God so you can be changed. This woman was brought to the Lord, so maybe not by choice, but she got there anyways. And once she got to Jesus, then she changed. And here's the deal. He didn't condemn her, but listen, she was convicted. Matter of fact, I, I put it like this, just because he didn't condemn her to shame doesn't mean she wasn't convicted to change. She, she experienced something in the presence of Jesus that prompted her to be different than she was before. What was it? And it was conviction. Romans 8, 1 through 2. Therefore, there is now no, what? Condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Because we're with Jesus, there is no condemnation, but listen to me, there is conviction because conviction truly changes us. So here's the way I put it. Don't confuse conviction with condemnation. Don't confuse conviction with condemnation. In my early teen years, I got into a lot of trouble. Uh, 13 through 17 was quite a doozy for me. All right? Some of y'all can sympathize. Anyways, 
Man, I remember 13 and 14, I wanted nothing to do. Like, I, I remember if I got in trouble, so, like, for the record, like, so maybe you'll think of me differently. I don't care. Uh, so I got into, like, dealing drugs, gangs, like, the whole nine when I was younger, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. I was, that was just, like, I wanted to be away. And I remember, like, that 13 and 14 time frame. Um, because I still look 21 when I was 13 and 14. So uh, I remember that 13 and 14, if I, if I would get in trouble, I had this mentality. I was like, don't call my dad, please. Come on, anybody had a relationship with your parents like that? Like whatever you do, don't, you can call my mom, don't call my dad. All right, he's gonna tell you to lock me up and throw away the key. All right, just don't call my dad. But I remember because it, I had this like, I had this like, I don't want my dad to like, I, don't call my dad. That was just how it was. But I remember around 16, 17, God was, he started doing a work on my heart. He started bringing me out of that life. And, and it was a little bit of a process. And, and I remember as I got to 16 to 17, I would, there's a couple of times I got in trouble and I noticed this change in my heart where I went from don't call my dad to like, man, I really need my dad right now. And I think that's a beautiful picture of the difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation creates this mentality for you. Like, man, I can't go to God. Like, whatever happens, like, I, I, I want to run away from God. And, and listen, that's never God's heart for you that you would feel condemned. That's the trick of the enemy trying to push you away from the Lord. But he has no problem convicting you saying, yeah, 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 yeah. No, there's something in your life that needs to change. But you got to come to me to get it. And that mentality of like, man, I really need God right now. And for some of you, that's even why you're here. Matter of fact, some of you have tried other churches and you've, you've experienced condemnation. And I know some of your stories, and I'm not here to bash other churches. There's some really good churches in our city. I'm not, that's not my goal here. Other than to say, you came into TC with a, this is my last time. I'm going to give one more church a chance. And, and, and we've heard over and over again how God has showed me that there are churches that do love people well and want to help them get closer to Jesus. And I thank God that we're one of them. Because we want to help see you get connected to Jesus in a way that, listen, it'll transform your heart. In John 16, 7 through 8, he explains how conviction happens. And this is what he says. He's getting ready to leave and go to heaven. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. He's talking to the disciples. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the helper there literally translates to a word that it means advocate, one to go speak on behalf of, to plead the case for. And we know that according to the text, that, that is a representation, that word represents the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know about God, God is one, but he's in three parts. So there's God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit. I have a question for you. How differently would you live your life if Jesus was right next to you all the time? Come on. How differently would you be in traffic? Because that's the real test. Come on, they got road construction on road construction around here, right? How differently would you treat that waiter or waitress? How, how quickly would you delete that text that you've yet to send? Because y'all know y'all do that. right? How differently would you act in that relationship? How, how different would we be if Jesus was right next to us all the time? And Jesus may not be right next to you all the time, but if your faith is in Christ, the Holy Spirit, which is 
the third part of the Trinity, equal with Christ, is living inside of you all the time. And my question is this, are you, those moments of conviction are established to help us change. And so we should change, right? John 1.17 says, for the law was given through Moses. And this is what he says, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And there's something really special about how Jesus responded to this woman that's being brought to him. Because he looks at her, he says, where are your accusers? She says, no one. He says, then neither do I condemn you. So I'm not condemning you. And what is he doing right there? He's giving her grace. I know you messed up, but I'm not going to condemn you. I'm going to give you forgiveness. I'm not not trying to hold you captive because of your sin. I want you to come to me. I'm going to give you grace, but listen to me, listen to me. And this is why I think, I think we're Christians miss it, right? Some Christians are like, see, he's a God of grace. So I can come to him. Jesus, I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't be living this way. I shouldn't be doing these things. I'm sorry, but I got grace so I can go back out tomorrow and just wild out. No, 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 no. Because what does he say next? Now go and leave your life of sin. He gives you grace, but listen to me, he also gives truth. It's not live how you want. No, 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 listen. Come to me as you are and watch me turn you into something else. And that's Jesus' great desire for our hearts. Because he wants to take the chaos and messiness of our life, and if we'll give him control, we can watch him make a masterpiece out of it. We need someone behind the scenes that's making something great out of our lives. So how do I live this out? Let me give it to you. You need to let God have control of your life's song. Let God have control of your life's song. Trust him, go to him. And as you do, you'll start living a life that represents God well in front of everybody. Anybody remember the uh, WWJD bracelets people used to wear? What would Jesus do thing? Come on, y'all remember that? Anybody? Anybody had 90s Christian parents? Come on, those were the most Christian of the Christian parents. I remember watching Nate Bargatze. He was like, 90s Christian parents. I think Jesus had more fun than I did, right? So, but uh, I remember hearing the story of Kanye West and Kanye was with Dave Chappelle and he was, this is early, this is before Kanye became a star. He's with Dave Chappelle and uh, he was watching cut scenes of the Chappelle show that never got seen in the public. And he's with Dave Chappelle and he gets a phone call and they're like, hey, what are you doing right now? And Kanye's like, man, I'm with Dave Chappelle. We're watching uncut scenes from the Chappelle show. No one's ever seen before. And they're like, how did you even get in the room? Like, he, cause he's not famous yet. And they were like, how did you even get there? And he's like, because I'm dope and I do dope stuff. Which for the record is the kanye answer I've ever heard in my entire life. If you don't know who Kanye is, he's a producer, rapper, artist, lacks genuine self-awareness. Uh, has a, there's a lot going on there, all right? But nonetheless, but one thing Kanye believes, he believes in Kanye, Right? Like, there's literally like phrases like, you need to love yourself the way Kanye loves Kanye. All right? So, like, but all that to say is, I started thinking because 
Like if I were to ask some of you right now, some of you got asked this today. How are you doing, man? How's it going? And your, your response is like, you know, we're making it. We're getting there. We're tired. And all those things might be true. But did you realize how much you can shape the narrative of the life you're living? Like, did you realize how much you can change what that looks like? Did you realize, like, I know this is a little self-helpy, but deal with it for a second. Because some of us, we're going to change the way we start letting God have control by starting by the way we just start speaking about our lives. Right? And I, they're like, Kanye, like, how did you, like, why are you there? He's like, because I'm dope and I do dope stuff. When people ask me how I'm doing, like, I have the same answers. I'm like, baby, I'm partying like a rock star. We out here doing this. Thing. You know what I mean? Like, how are you doing, Brad? I mean, we're changing one life at a time in Pensacola, man. We're going to change the whole world. Like, my response to that isn't like, oh, I'm tired, you know, I worked an 18 hour day today. Like, you know, like, my response, like, why? I'm declaring what I'm believing is going to be true out of my life, man. Like, man, we're changing everything. Like, I'm coming for, like, listen, we're, we're filling the kingdom of heaven and we're emptying the kingdom of hell, baby. We got this. We're going to change. For, like, I believe, why? Because it's so easy to fall into, like, you know. And so I have something for you today. I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. We all know what would Jesus do? What if we started asking ourselves this? What would Kanye do? Boy, if this don't go viral, I don't know what will, right? But <laughs> what would God, like, think about this for your life. My life is dope and I do dope stuff. And I know that sounds like, but some of y'all need to adopt. Now, maybe like you're like in, I don't know, maybe you're in your 60s and 70s and dope really only has one meaning to you, right? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know, like, you're like, the woman's getting stoned in the Bible. No, 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 that's a different, different kind of stoned, all right? But, but maybe you need to adopt your own language. I don't, I don't know. Whatever, whatever words work for you. All I'm saying is what if we started reshaping the narrative of our life to speak the way we're going to live, the way we're going to think. And by doing so, we start trusting God with our lives and saying, man, God's going to do something great out of my life. And it doesn't matter where I come from because he has the ad- ability to produce something great with the outcome. And if we could do that, I want you to just take this in for a second. Imagine how much better our song could be for the world to hear if we let the one with the proven track record take control. And God could do some amazing things in our life. And I don't know if we'll change the world, but we could change somebody's world every day. Let's let the producer dictate our life track. You guys ready for that? Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we love you and we thank you. We're so grateful for who you are. God, we come to you this morning for every person that's here in the room that's been struggling with control. They've been struggling with releasing their life into your hands. God, I pray right now that you finally, once and for all, God, let them see that their life, our lives are better in your hands. And I pray freedom in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. If you're here today, friends, and you say, I, Brad, I, I, I do need to change the way I think, but it's going to start by letting, not just letting Jesus have control. I need Jesus to become the Lord of my life. And today, if you're, they, if you're here and you say, I'm not a Christian. I have never put my faith in Jesus, but today I need to be. Hear me, friend. The beauty of the gospel is that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for our sins. And when he rose from the dead, he gave us access to heaven.
He paid for our lives. And today, you can be saved. Today, you can become a Christian. And all it takes is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And as you do that, he changes our life. We repent of our lives, our sin, and we turn towards him today. If you're ready to receive him today, if you're ready to put your faith in him, and today, if you're ready to be saved, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And the whole church will pray with you so you're not praying by yourself. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start and I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. See, let's give it up for all those that pray that today. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. Mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.